We acknowledge that we rely on you. We're not leaning on our own understanding. But in all our ways, God, we're acknowledging you so that you can direct our path from this very early day in the year. We give you thanks for who you are, for what you're doing, and what you will do. All the glory, all the praise, all the honor is yours, God. Be glorified now. Be exalted and be lifted up. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's welcome the worship team. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. And we didn't get a chance to tell you, Happy New Year. God has been faithful, amen? He has been kind and he has been gracious and he has kept us into a new year, right? Another time to worship, another time to give him praise, to say how much we appreciate him. Can we give the Lord some praise in his house? He is worthy to be praised. We're here to lift him up. We are here to lift him up. We are here to lift him up. Hallelujah. Help us lift him up this morning. Praise Lord, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're in my 
introduced last week and it has just been repeated in my spirit I don't know how many of you as well and just declare it over your life that God we are expecting great things Amen. it's that simple it says I am expecting great things can we declare that together say I'm expecting great things let's do that one more time say I'm expecting great things let it not just be words today, but may that be our prayer today and really believe it when we're singing it. Hallelujah. I'm expecting great things. I'm expecting great things. I'm Expecting great things, great things. Can we sing that together? I'm expecting great things. I'm expecting great things. I'm expecting great things, great things. In my life, in my life, you do great things, you do great things. In my home, in my home, you do great things, you do great things. All around, all around, you do. Choose to believe in great things. Hallelujah. Let's declare together. Everybody say, I'm expecting great things. I'm expecting great things. I'm expecting great things. I'm expecting great things. Get over 
wanting great things. I'm expecting great things. Great things. Speak life into your situation and declare it this morning. I'm expecting great things. I'm expecting great to change the things that need to be changed in us, to shake the things that need to be shaken, to strengthen where strength needs to be. Amen. When we allow him to come in, he's able to do the work that he needs to be done in us. Amen? So this morning, we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit and ask him to flood this place and fill the atmosphere. How many of us need more of God? How many of us know that we need more of God? We all need more of God. But do you know it this morning that we need more of him? Hallelujah. There's nothing worth more that would ever come close. No thing can compare to our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord hallelujah there's nothing worth more there's nothing worth more that will ever come close no thing can compare to our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I have tasted 
strength like no
may be seated for a moment as we draw near to our Heavenly Father. And as the songwriter says, lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget his love for me, lead us back to Calvary. And it's a time to pause as we draw near to the Father. Because sometimes we weigh his love for us based on our actions. But he loved us before we ever loved him. And we can never outlove him. He loves us in spite of who we are. So as we come this morning, he bids us come boldly to the throne of grace where we can get help and obtain mercy in our time of need. Would you join in prayer, please? And if you have a need to voice it to the Father, because he cares. He cares much more deeply than you could ever understand. And those who are watching us by the World Wide Web, we invite you to join us in prayer at this time. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love of God, your love which is so immense. It's so deep, it's so wide. We cannot escape it. We thank you that because of your love, you were willing to give and to do for us. We give you thanks today for this immeasurable love that you demonstrated when you sent Jesus Christ to down Calvary for our sins. We thank you that we're the recipients of your marvelous grace, your infinite grace. We thank you so much, Father. And as we come today, we confess our sins. We confess that we're unworthy. We confess that we have not lived up to your standard of holiness. We ask your cleansing, your washing, even as we prepare hearts to the Holy Communion today. And, oh, Lord, we join in prayer for those who are mourning loss of loved ones. We remember Sister Jenkins' family. We remember Jennifer Taylor's family. We pray for the comfort and the peace of God. You said when one mourns, we should mourn with them. And so we join in prayer, asking for your strength, your grace, your enablement as these families go through their loss. Father, we pray for those who are sick. Remember Sister Stone that's struggling this morning. Remember Brother Archer, Sister Carol, Sister Rampasad, so many others, God, who are ailing. Sister Mavis Watt, we ask you to touch them, oh God, from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet. And even among us today, there are some that are not feeling well. We pray, Father, you not only touch us spiritually, but you touch physically. May you heal every sickness, because by your stripes, we have been made whole. So we want to walk in that healing, oh God. And we pray for faith to trust you and to receive what you have done on Calvary for us. Lord, we pray for those who lack because they have no job or they're not paid enough. We pray that you'd provide for your people. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. May you, oh God, release your resources so that your people may have enough. Father, let none be so poor that they'll steal or have too much that they'll become prideful. But as your word says, we pray, give us enough that we'll have for families and be able to help others. Father God, we thank you today. We ask you to remember our nation, those who lead us, God, in every area of our government. We ask you to touch their hearts today. You command us to pray for those in authority and for men everywhere. We lift them up to you, the president, his cabinet, the senators, the congressmen and women. We ask you, God, to touch their hearts. That, Lord, you would give them a yearning to seek after you, to seek righteousness. 
to seek godliness and your wisdom that they may make righteous decisions for the nation. We pray for the healing of the nation. We pray that you draw the families back to you and you bring revival in the nation. Begin with us, O oh Lord, that we may be, Lord, messengers of yours to take your good news to our neighbors and to those in our circle of influence. God, we ask you today to meet every need. We pray for peace in our nation. And, oh, Father God, even as we gather today, may peace filtrate to every home and every heart. Let none leave here the way they came. But if there is someone who has never said yes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, may you touch that one today. And even those who are watching us by the World Wide Web, maybe somebody tuned in, God, they don't know Jesus as Savior. We're praying, Holy Spirit, you would bring conviction. You would reveal the love of Jesus to them, and they would say yes to Jesus as Savior and Lord. We ask you to touch your men servant today. We're going to bring your word. Anoint your word to our hearts. Release faith to be mixed with the hearing of your word, that it will do good to each of us. Lord, we take our thoughts captive. We bind every spirit of distraction. We put away the idols that will distract us, the phones and the different gadgets that will steal our attention even as we come to worship. We, Lord God, focus on you. We open our hearts to receive of you. And we pray your blessing on everyone that's here today. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everyone agrees and we say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. All the time. Amen. We want to take time out to recognize any first-time guests that we may have in our midst today. We want to acknowledge you and to recognize that you are a special guest. And if you're visiting with us for the very first time, would you please stand so we could give you a living word of Bible welcome? Anybody for the first time? All right, let's welcome her. Let's give her a big hand. Uh, you'll be given a packet right there. Now is the best time to service to open the packet. You'll find what we call a connection card where we want to send you a note to say thank you for coming. If you'll complete the card and drop it in the offering bucket when it passes by later this morning. If you're a second or third time, just give me a wave. Somebody else, wave at me if you're a second or third time. We welcome you, all right? And uh, so that you also can get a card. All right, everyone is here. You're all old-timers and all the ones that belong here, so we give you grace. So give, an, give each person a big hand this morning as welcome. One another, it's good to have you with us this morning in the house of the Lord. Let me make a couple announcements. Uh, first of all, we want to say we're on your program. It has several of the announcements. We're continuing our 21 day of prayer. Uh, 21 days of prayer beginning January 1. You're praying at home. But we also come for corporate prayer. We did three times last week. We're going to be doing three times this week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. And, of course, our 10 days of fasting, our Daniel fast continues. And you can join if you haven't joined yet. You can join and be a part of the Daniel fast that, we, that began in January 3rd. And then, of course, our solemn assembly. If you've never been to one of our solemn assembly, it's a continuous service from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, what an awesome service that is. Uh, that is uh, always a once-a-year thing. That's a one people... Always call to find out when is Solemn Assembly from out of town. They want to be here for that service. It's a great time to be in the presence of the Lord 
day we set aside and really focus on him. And so encourage you to remember that day as well. We do have two uh, funeral announcements that we have to make. Sister Jennifer Taylor, her dad will be, has his homegoing service this Saturday at 9 a.m. right here is the viewing. And then the service starts at 10 a.m. this Saturday, Sister Taylor's dad. And then on next Saturday, we have the homegoing service as well for uh, Brother Herb Jenkins. And I think they have a, so you can see who that is. He's one of our parking attendants. Uh, was also serving that ministry and other areas of ministry. He's passed on this past week. Uh, and so he is, his service is going to be on the 20th. That's not the January, the 20th. At 9 a.m. is the viewing as well. And the service starts at 10 a.m. on January 20th. So those are the two announcements that we have regarding the funeral. Now we have funeral announcements, but we also have that's not so good news, but we also have other good news. Amen? And so there are good news coming up, and Sister Frances wants to be the one to make the announcement for this good news, so let her come to do that. Amen. Amen. It gives us a lot of joy to introduce the newest member of our family, and uh, that's Miss Christine Noel. She was born on New Year's Day from Jonathan, and... Um, the greatest pain is that she's in California and we're here in Florida, but we were all there and thank so many of you who prayed for us. I was there through the birth, praying her out to this life. So we just bless her and we welcome her with joy and um, gladness. Amen. That's Miss Christy Noel Francis. All right. Amen. Praise the Lord. She's a little darling and a heartbreaker. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to get ready to sit around the Lord's table and to participate in the Holy Communion, an institution that God, that Jesus Christ left for us to follow as he left this earth. This is one of those institutions that he asked us to continue to do. And the Apostle Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want to read for you a portion of that scripture. That Paul writes, beginning at verse 23, Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, you also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. You know, so, so many things in that passage of Scripture that Paul talked about in the communion. Because on one hand, he says to us, 
that each of us need to take time to examine ourselves. Not the next person. We need to take time and examine ourselves. And then he says, if we judge ourselves, then God will not judge us. But the wonderful thing we know is that we find ourselves guilty that God has made provision for us to be made right. The Bible tells us that the blood of Jesus cleanses us, not from some, but from all unrighteousness. And so the word of God says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you know, there is a flip side to the part that Paul writes. He says, for if we eat unworthily, he says, for this reason, many sleep and many are sick and many, you know, they, they many things happen to those who partake in that way. I believe the other side of the coin is as we partake worthily, we receive the blessings and the benefits that comes that God has provided for us. And so this morning, everyone has the opportunity to partake worthily. If we examine ourselves, if we judge ourselves, and as we find whatever is there that we need to confess, we ask his forgiveness. He will be willing to forgive us and to make us right that we all can sit around the table of the Lord receive the benefits and the blessings that comes with it today. So here's what we want to do right now. Let's bow our heads and our hearts before the Lord. Let's examine ourselves, each of us. Let us each judge ourselves. Father, we've, been walked, we've walked in obedience to your word. And as we have examined ourselves, we find ourselves guilty. We're thankful that you've made provision for us to be made right with you. So this morning, we ask you to forgive us for the things that we have done, the thoughts that we've had that have not been pleasing, the words that we have spoken the attitudes that we've had. We ask your forgiveness, oh God. We ask your cleansing. And your word reminds us that your blood cleanses us from every sin. We judge ourselves today so that you won't have to judge us. And we thank you that God, that we can partake of the benefits and blessings that come with sitting at the table. Because by your stripes, we are healed. We are made whole. We are restored fully in every way. So we thank you, God, for hearing us, for answering us, for ministering to us. I'm going to ask Deacon Philander to ask God's blessing on the emblems. Mighty Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the shedding of blood as represented by the Jews.
breaking of your body represented by the, the crackers, the bread. And we thank you, Lord, that you came to do this for us because you love us so much. You love us so much. Thank you. And we ask your blessing upon it as we partake. In Jesus' name. You'll be served both emblems. You want to take both and hold them. And then we'll partake together. So as you serve, take both emblems and hold them. And we'll all partake together. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you
same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. When he had given thanks, broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. You hold in your hand that is symbolic of his broken body. It has no leaven because leaven represents sin and he had no sin. It has holes to remind us that he was pierced for our transgressions. And it is striped because by his stripes we are healed. There are so many benefits and blessings that come with the communion. By faith, let's eat it together and receive. same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup represents the new covenant in my blood it's the new agreement the bible tells us it's a better agreement than the old agreement that was established with the shedding of the blood of bulls and calves which could not remove sin but the blood of jesus christ the son of god once and for all dealt with our sins of the past, the present, and the future. So today, let's drink it together and receive the benefits and the blessings that come with it. For it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley, the blood that shall never lose its power. For it reaches to the
Hallelujah. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. We want to invite you now to give back to God that which belongs to him. As the ushers get ready to come to receive from you the tithes and offering. As you walk in obedience to what God says, he has promised that when we walk in obedience, he will bless us accordingly. We recognize that we are merely stewards or managers. We own nothing. We simply manage what God has entrusted to us to manage. So as you give to God, let's give cheerfully. Let's give willingly. He loves a cheerful giver. Praise God. I'm going to ask Deacon Lee to ask God's blessing on the givers and the gifts. Heavenly Father, as we take time out now in the service, Lord, to worship you who are giving, Lord. Father, we pray that you touch hearts. Help us to remember and to understand that we are only managing what you have blessed us with, Lord. Father, you're the one who provided jobs for us, provided ways for us to earn income, Lord. So, Father, as we give back to you now a portion of what you bless us with, help us to give willingly, cheerfully, and, Father, use it for the furnace of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. right and left you tell them you're in the right place at the right time you are in the right place and you are here at the right time 
just in time for what God wants to say to us today. If you have your Bibles with you, I hope you do. You want to turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 13. I'd like to read some verses from there. Exodus chapter 13, beginning at verse 11 through verse 18. Exodus chapter 13, beginning at verse 11 through verse 18. In my translation, and it shall be with it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he soared to you and your fathers and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the male shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So it shall be when your sons ask you in time to come, saying, What is this? That you shall say to him, By strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrificed to the Lord all males that opened the womb. But all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. And then one verse from the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Let us pray. Our loving Father, we thank you that your words are life unto those that find them, and literal medicine unto all flesh. We ask you that you'll speak to us today as only you can, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'm totally dependent on you, relying on you and trusting in you, needing your help, needing you to speak through me, needing you to touch hearts, to change lives, to impact us on this very first Sunday of 2018. We commend ourselves to you now, Father, we ask that you would do in us and through us what is best for us, what you can do for us as only you can. And we will not fail to give you the glory, to give you the praise, and to give you the honor. For we ask it in that name that is above every other name, in the precious, holy, matchless name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. In a recent survey taken in America, asking individuals what is their prognosis for 2018, there were varied responses. 18% said they don't believe that 2018 is going to be a good year. 20-something percent believe that 18% will be a better year. 28% thought that they're not sure what's going to happen. 
And so what we find is that in the survey, less than 50% of Americans actually has a positive belief that 2018 is going to be a better year than 2017. But I believe this morning, if I ask the question, would you want to make your life better in 2018? I believe every hand would go up. Is that true? Yes. And it may seem like to do so, it would simply mean getting more of what you want. Probably such as a better paying job for somebody. Maybe having a loving spouse and children. For somebody, well, it's a better health. For somebody else, it's more money. I need to buy a home or a bigger home or I need to buy a new car or something else. However, I want to let you know this morning that enjoying the best life possible isn't about what you get. Rather, it's about what directs your life. That's because, my friends, Whatever force has first place in your life will drive your decisions and shape your future. Let me say that again because it's important. Whatever force has first place in your life will drive your decisions and shape your future. Did you notice there's so many things clamoring for attention and devotion? We got our jobs coming on one side, our kids, our spouses, our hobbies, the regular demands of life every day. And you and I have to be very careful not to let them become more important or more of a priority than our relationship with God. I want to say this morning that you and I need to come to realize and accept the fact that no one or nothing has a greater impact on your life than God, the creator of the universe. Whether your person serves God or not, does not change the fact that God has an impact on that person's life. They may not acknowledge him, and they may serve him, but no matter which way you go, you cannot ignore God. You cannot live your life without recognizing that somehow God has an impact on your life in one way or another. The sooner you do, the better it is for you. The Bible tells us about the first, the Ten Commandments. It says, the first one, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. And in Deuteronomy 5, it says, you must not make yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, he says, I am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. We're going to see over and over again this morning as, as we talk about this, that God wants to be first and only first. He does not believe in second place. He does not believe in any other place but first place. Isaiah 44 reminds us, it says, Thus is the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first. That's what God says. And I am also the last, the Alpha and the Omega. He says, besides me, there is no God. Yet how many things that occupy our time or money and thoughts and attention have actually taken the place that God is supposed to be in? No matter what your obstacles you face, no matter what you go through, one thing should always remain your number one priority, and that is God. 
if you and I maintain our faith in God and strive to put him first in everything, then everything else will fall into the place. You know, we are right the first Sunday of 2018, and I bring a message to you this morning because it's a new year, it's an opportunity to turn the page on your life. It's an opportunity to forget the failures of 2017. It's an opportunity to forget the, 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 the past mistakes of 2017. It's an opportunity to forget the regrets of 2017 and to make a fresh start. I love fresh starts. I love that God gives us an opportunity to make a fresh start. And so at the beginning of this new year, you and I have the opportunity to make a fresh start. Now, if you've never initiated that critical relationship with God, wherein He is your Lord and Savior, can I tell you, you need to do that now, and you need to do that as quick as possible. And I need to tell you why, and then to explain to you how. Why, should you, why is it important for you and I to have that real relationship with God? Well, first of all, He made us. And He made us for Himself. That's what the Bible says. We were created for his pleasure. And when God made us, he made us so that we could spend eternity with him. That was the whole idea. God wanted us to spend eternity with him. He made us so we could fellowship with him and live with him and spend eternity with him. But then our forefathers sinned. They disobeyed God and that bring an entrance of sin. And now we have a holy God and a perfect God and an unholy people. And guess what? They can't get together just like oil and water. Have you ever tried to shake oil and water together in a bottle? No matter what you do, you can shake it and shake it and shake it and shake it and shake it. As soon as you stop shaking it, guess what? The oil separates from the water. It's the same thing with God. The holy God cannot live with an unholy people. We need to be holy like God. And so God had to deal with our sin problem. And this is where Jesus Christ came in. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, to pay the price for our sins. Because the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. There's a consequence of sin. It's not a light consequence. It is death. And so if sin is going to be dealt with, and if God is going to be fair as he ought to be, then death has to be the result for sin. We sin. But guess what? He had someone to take our place. Imagine Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and paid the price of my sin and your sins so that you and I can get free because someone paid the penalty for us. But there's something that you and I have to do. It can't be that he just died and that's it. It must be that we must also individually recognize that what Jesus Christ did on the cross was for me personally. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. It must each of us individually, we have to do it for ourselves. In the couples class this morning, we were talking about this with marriage, and somebody asked a question, and I had to remind them that when we go before God, we'll never go before God as a couple. We're always going to go before God individually. That's why you can't afford to let your, your spouse cause you to miss out on God. As wonderful as your spouse is, you still have to reflect. You still have to remember, in the final analysis, you will never stand before God as a couple or a family. It's going to be one and one. So your relationship with God becomes paramount. Did you realize your relationship with God supersedes your marriage? 
your relationship with God supersedes your children. Your relationship with God supersedes your wonderful grandchildren. Oh, yes. Your relationship with God is first. And so it is that we need to recognize that. So that's the reason why. So you and I have to do something. We have to accept him. And John says, but as many, as many as receive him, receive who? Jesus Christ. As many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To as many that has believed on his name. So that here is the opportunity to restore and to be reconciled to God so that once again we can spend eternity with him. That what he began and what he intended in the beginning will continue until all eternity. That's the purpose. And so my friend this morning, I want you to know that if you haven't done so, you need to do so today. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do so. But I want you to know that no matter what your situation has been up to this point, this is the time for you to get a new release of God's presence and provision in all that you want to accomplish in 2018. A new release of his presence, provision, and protection for your household, for your family, for your marriage, for your career, for your mind and your well-being. How do you do that? By setting first things first in all that you do. I want to ask you this morning, are you ready to live the high calling of God? The life that God meant for you to live. Are you ready to live an abundant life? The ultimate life with purpose and provision. Blessings and fullness of his presence. It doesn't matter where you are today or what your situation is. The God that I serve has an amazing life for you. And nothing is impossible with God. One of the most powerful principles we see in the word of God over and over and over again is that God is first. It is the foundation of the scripture that I read earlier. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does it mean? What does it mean by seeking first the kingdom of God? It means the rule of God over our lives. We must seek first the rule of God over our lives. He is first in all that we do. The Bible tells us, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall what? Direct your path. God says first things must be first. You know, I, 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 this is a great example is this baseball that I learned just recently. I, I didn't know much about baseball all these so many years I've been in America. And then finally I was able to go to Wrigley's Field, which is the baseball field in Chicago. And, uh, and actually see the, the world champions play. And uh, so I became a Cubs fan, if you want to know since it's the first baseball game I've ever been to, uh, I decided to adopt them, whether they're winning or losing. But right now, they didn't win this time, but nevertheless. And so, I learned something. You see, baseball, you've got first base, second base, and third base. And it's home plate. And you start on a home plate. And the idea is to be able to make it around back to home plate. But you know, I found out that if you hit the ball and you run to second base, and then run to third and back home, you get zero. I also learned if you hit the ball again, and you run to third and back home, you get zero. And also if you hit the ball again and just run to second base and back home, you get zero. 
You know, what I, you know what is missing so far that I haven't said? What is missing? First base. Guess what? You can't get any point until you go where first? First base. In order for you to score, you have to go first base, and then you can go the other bases. But you can't go to the other bases first and score. To score, you must start at first base. That's just like God. If we're going to score with him, we have to put him first. He can't be second. He can't be third. He can't be anything else. He must be what? Say with me, God must be? That's right. He must be first. It is prioritizing his presence in our life. It is the order and the accurate arrangements of things. The principle of God first provides the foundation and the structure for God's blessing in your life and my life. To be aligned with what God has for us, we must start the year off as instructed by obeying God's holy principle. And that is, he must be first. You heard the passage that I read this morning. It talked about that he must bring the first, that the first thing that opened the womb belonged to him. It says, you know, and whatever first fruit they must bring to him, it's always the first. And we're going to look into that some more in this morning. So the question comes to us this morning then. If God wants to be first, the question is, how can we learn from the Bible, how did he teach the people in the scriptures to make him first? What did they do so that God would be satisfied that he was first? Because that's important. Now, let me, let me explain to you something in order for us to understand what happened. It was a matter that they had to give him the first fruits. That's how he wanted them to demonstrate that he was first. They had to bring him the first fruits. Now let's take a little bit, of, let's digress a little bit to understand something. This was an agricultural society. They did, they planted their crops and that's how they lived, by selling the crops and by eating what they could and planting again for the next season and whatever they harvested, they had fruit trees and whatever it is, it was always, they didn't have factories to go to like we have today. They didn't work into office buildings like we do today. They didn't have any of those things at that time. It was an agricultural society, and God says, okay, in the society that you are and where you are, the way you're going to demonstrate to me that I am first, I want you to bring me the first fruits of your crops. So that's why we read this morning when it talks about, in, it's here it says in Leviticus chapter 23, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. So when they planted their crops and they would time to reap the wheat, the first gathering of wheat that comes in early. Because, you know, just like when you have a fruit tree, most fruit trees that I know, all the fruit doesn't ripe the same day. Have you, I, I've, never, I, I've never walked out to my mango tree and every mango is ripe. I always look for the, I'm anxiously waiting for the what? The first one. And I go there every day and I check. You know, my East Indian mango tree. 
I go and I look and I walk around because I don't want to miss one and get the birds get it before me. So I'm checking under the leaves and checking everything and walking around the second time and probably the third time if I have to to make sure that I get the first one. But what God said is that that first one that you pick, I want you to bring it to the priest. That was what they had to do. They had to bring the very first ripe fruit. And if they, the wheat, whatever they gathered, because all the wheat doesn't come mature at the, all at the same time. So the first cuttings that of mature wheat, they had to bring that to the priest. And he would hold it up before the Lord, and it would represent them that he, what they were giving this to God. But it gets even deeper than that. Here's what it says in Nehemiah 10. And we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruit of all trees, all trees, year by year to the house of the Lord, to bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle, as it was written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God. And this is what is amazing to me, to the bring the first fruits of our dough. Wow. When they're now finished threshing the wheat and they're grinding it and they're making the dough, the first batch of dough belongs to God. He says, you need to bring that first batch of dough because that's how I know that you treat me as first. And every firstborn that comes from an animal, the Bible says the male is the Lord's and it is belonging to him. My friends, God was teaching them and he's teaching us today. And we don't live in an agricultural society much anymore, but we work in offices, we work in factories, we work in schools, we work in hospitals, we work everywhere. And God is saying, you need to bring your first fruits. Your first fruits. Still the first fruits. How he's going to make us know that we are first in our lives? The first fruits. And we're going to talk about what that is. He says, bring the first fruits. Now, I want you to understand something, though. What first fruits in Hebrew is the word bikarim. But it has an interesting meaning. That first fruits mean promise to come. In other words, when you bring your first fruits, this is the promise of what is to come. And so as you walk in obedience and bring in the first fruits, you're saying to God, I'm bringing the first fruits knowing that there's a promise of more to come. Isn't that wonderful? That that's what God will set up for us. And so it's, it's a principle that has been long overlooked and we need to be able to remind ourselves this morning as we begin 2018 that we need to keep first things first. And when we do that through faith and obedience, you turn God's promise into provision into abundant provision. Listen to what Proverbs 3 and verse 9 to 10 says. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with wine. That's the agricultural way of speaking. But what about today? So when he says bring the first fruits, he's not, what is going to happen to us? We're not going to have barns filled with plenty because, you know, but your bank account and your 401k and all your investments are going to be the ones that, that's what it replaces. And he says it's going to be filled with plenty and it will overflow with more. Why? Because he wants you to succeed. Do you know that God wants you to succeed? He set up a system into which is based first fruits. 
And the Bible gives references to this over and over again. But I want you to notice something about this first fruits principle. Over and over again, we read, bring this. Bring the first fruits. Bring your first fruits. Bring the tithes and offering. It's always bringing. Why? Well, let me tell you. This is her phone. If I take it away from her without her permission, what am I doing? I'm stealing it. Now, here's the thing. Because it is her phone and I have it, I can bring it to her. But you know what I cannot do? I cannot give it to her. So we use, we use English grammatically incorrect, so it's not blowing us off track right now. And I wanted to do that. I can, so the Bible never says give the tithes. The Bible never says give the first fruits. It says bring it. Why? I cannot give you what is already yours. But I can bring you what is yours. But I can't give it to you. So that's why God says, bring the tithes. Why? Because it belongs to who? To him. So I'm not really giving the tithes, although we speak that grammatically. It's sort of incorrect. We're not giving the tithes because it's really his. We are bringing it. Which is what Malachi says in chapter 3, verse 10. Bring, it says, all the tithes and offering into the storehouse that there may be food in my meat and I will bless you, he says, that you, have, you won't have barns, you won't have room to over, I'll open the windows of heaven, you won't have room to contain it. We need to give God what is his. Now, so the first fruits is important. God wants to emphasize that. Now, let me explain another part of this first fruits thing. I want you to remember the widow at Zarephath. If you recall the story, and for those who don't know the story, Elijah was sent by God to a brook in a time of famine so that he could be fed there. And God sent him a raven, a bird brought him breakfast and dinner. There was no lunch. I noticed. For those of us who wanted lunch, he came in the morning and he came in the evening twice a day. Is that an indication of God trying to tell us how, we should, how often we should eat? I don't know. But nevertheless, the raven only came in the morning and in the evening. And so, fed Elijah. And then he ate. And of course, you know, everything went well. Until the brook dried up. And then God said, I got a place for you. I have commanded a widow to take care of you. And you never go to Zarephath. So Elijah off to Zarephath. And when he goes, he sees this lady picking up sticks. And the Spirit of God says to him, that's the lady. And he says to her, can you give me a little drink of water, please? Remember, it's a time of drought. And she didn't have much water. So she said, but this is a, you can see the heart of this woman. She turned to go get a little bit of water for him, even though she doesn't have much. But she see her generosity. She has a kind heart. And she turns to go get the water. And he says, oh, by the way, while you're getting the water, can you bring me a little morsel of bread? 
And she says, I want to tell you something. I only have enough meal and oil to make one little bread. And we, I was just about to go and make that bread. And me and my son are going to eat it. And then we're going to die. Because we know there's, once I make it, there's nothing left. I can't make anything. And, and Elijah says to her the unthinkable. He says to her, make me one first. Now, i got to tell you something. I don't know, you are a Rhodes Scholar. She really is. It's not a joke. Dr. Julia. So here it is. I want you to help me out so they can say, a brilliant scientist is able to help me on this one. Now, if you have one, if you can only make one cake, right, and you take that one cake and give it to that man first, do you have any left for yourself? The brilliant scientist says no. <laughs> Nothing is left. Zero. So when this woman made the cake and took it to Elijah, there was nothing to come back home to, right? Nothing. But the man of God says to her, God says, if you give it to me first, because if you give it to him first, it's like if you're giving it to whom? To God. He says, if you do that, God says, your barrel will never go empty and the oil will never run out. Now, she had to make a choice. Do I trust this man? Do I really want to believe what God says? Or do I, because I mean, I've never seen that before. Remember, she's never seen that before. This has never happened. She don't know of this. She decided that she was going to trust him. She made the cake. She took it to the man first. She gave it to him. He ate. She, he says to her, now go back home and eat for you and your sons and your family. She went back home and the scientists, believe it or not, the jar was full of meal and the oil bottle was filled with oil. And the Bible says they could make as many cakes as they wanted to eat. You know how many dumplings they wanted? Fry, I just think of fried dumplings, you know. And I mean... She could fry as many as she wanted, not just a few, as many as they could eat. And the Bible says that the meal never ran out and the oil never stopped flowing. It just kept going because God had, they had walked in obedience. But the kicker of the story is not found in the story. The kicker of the story is found in the New Testament. This is really where it gets interesting. This to me is the kicker of the story. Jesus pointed her out. And Jesus said in the New Testament to the people at the then, he says, do you remember that widow in Zarephath that Elijah went to? I want you to know something about her. And I want you to know something about that time. There were widows there. There were widows there. There were widows there. There were widows in that city and that city and that city and that city. There were widows in many cities. Why did he pick that one? But he says, but only to the woman at Zarephath was Elijah sent. You know why? When you check that woman's heart and confidence in God, because how many of you here would give up your only one and only meal. But she was willing to do that. 
And God, knowing her heart, picked her to be the one. To be the one to supply the need of his servant. And in the process, to what? Bless her. And to meet her need. You see, you've got to be willing to walk in obedience to what God says. He said, give me first. Do you know how many people still don't buy into the idea of tithing and giving God what it is first? And then they have financial crisis and they have troubles and they live from hand to mouth and they wonder, what is my problem? Well, you, you read Malachi 3.10. It says, if you don't do what God says, if you don't bring him first what is his, by the way, what is his, because it says, if you don't give me what is his, what am I doing? If I take from her what is not, what is hers, and I, and I take it away, what am I doing? I'm stealing, I'm robbing her. And God says, you have robbed me. And the people says, wait a minute. What do you mean by rob your God? He says, Where, when are we seeing you to rob you? He says, well, in your tithes and your offerings, you haven't brought me what is mine. I can't rob you of something that belongs to me. Hello? I can rob her if I take what is hers. But if I go and pick up my phone, I can't rob myself. But he says, you have robbed me because we're taking what belongs to him. And so many are not like the woman at Zarephath. They're not willing to take the risk and to trust God and to believe God because they say, if I give that 10% pastor, I don't know if I can manage to live on the 90. Well, that's God's business. That's what he says. He says, prove me now here. And some people say, I don't know about proving him. Oh, do you love the Lord? Oh, yes, pastor, I love the Lord. Do you trust God? Oh, yes, I trust God. That's when they're sick. That's when they need God to supply. But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. But then when he says, give me your one thing first. Give me your first 10%. We say, mm-hmm. my son says, you know, I don't know about that, the shaky, shaky hand, you know, saying, we're not sure about this one. That's what we need to understand. We're holding back ourselves. God has established a principle. Because in life with God, everything is by faith. Have you come to realize that yet? Everything is by faith. You come to Christ by faith. The just shall live by faith. You receive from God by faith. Everything is by faith. There's no other way but faith with God. There's no other way but to believe him, to trust him. And faith does not reason things out. Faith doesn't say, well, one plus one equals two. No, faith says one plus two equals five. Guess what? doesn't make any sense, does it? But God says, that if that's what God says, then that's it. And we've got to learn to begin to follow what God says in his word. Because, you know, if we don't, we're in problems. And let me give you one more illustration of what this thing, about coming first. You remember the children of Israel? They were in the wilderness for how many years? Forty years. In the desert, right? And 
They had a lot of things to eat. Is that true? They had all these curry chicken and stew peas and, you know, dukunu and what's the one in Nigeria? Huh? Jello rice. And then what's your other favorite thing? Your favorite food with a yam. Fufu? There was fufu to eat. And there was all, they had a lot of different things to eat, didn't they? What do you mean by no? What did they have to eat? You mean one thing? For 40 years? Oh, come on. Some of you said if I have chicken in the morning, chicken at noon, chicken at night, if I have one more piece of chicken, I'm going to cluck. Oh, my goodness. And uh, they didn't have chicken just for one day or one week. They didn't have manna for one month or one year. For 40 years, they've been eating the same thing. You think you get tired of it for a while? Yes. So guess what? They now left the, they now left the, the desert, and they were coming into the first city, which is Jericho. Woo! They're anticipating Man, there's going to be food. Now we're going to get the real deal. Ain't going to be no manna anymore. There's going to be a lot of stuff. So they come into Jericho. You know the miracle that God did where the walls fell down. Remember? Around the walls of Jericho, the army went. And they fell down and they went in. And then they saw all these different kinds of food and garments and clothes and gold and silver and everything. And God says, stop! Don't you touch it. It's the first city that you're going to conquer. And don't you forget that every first is mine. So in as much as they were longing and their taste buds were going and looking forward to eat of what they were going to go into Jericho and had joy, they had to back off because God says, everything here belongs to me. Well, you know one guy, his name is Achan. He couldn't resist. So he took this beautiful Babylonian garment and he, he, he took uh, some gold and silver and he, he decided, I'm sure he checked, nobody, nobody's looking, nobody's seen. He goes and he hid it, dig a hole under his tent and bury it. And he's saying, everything is fine. Nobody see me. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So now comes time for them to go to, uh, to the war. And there's ar the army gets ready and the army goes out. And of course, Joshua leading the battle charge. And of course, God is with Joshua. And so they go out and the enemy whip them. And Joshua says, no, no, something is wrong. <laughs> you can't lose with God on your side. Something is wrong. He goes before the Lord and he lays prostrate. And he says, God, what happened? God said, sin in the camp. He says, what do you mean by sin in the camp? Somebody took what, listen to the word, the accursed thing. The accursed thing means devoted to God. Somebody took it. So they did, they did lots. They did they cast the lots and it fell on Achan. And, and, and Joshua says to him, young man, face up. What, what, tell the truth. What happened? He says, the truth is I saw it. And I, 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 I took it. I did. He says, what did you do with it? I buried it under my tent. And Joshua said, two of his aid, go check it out. 
They checked it out and they brought it back. Indeed, it was there. And when you take what is God's, it's no joke business. Because I don't know if his wife knew that he did. And I don't know if his children knew that he did. But I'm sure that his donkey didn't know what he did. And his cows didn't know what he did. But God says, take him, his wife, his children, his donkey, his pots, his utensils, his tent, anything that belongs to him. Put him down into the valley, stone him to death, and then burn them. Because they were creating a problem for the whole group. Now here's the problem with that. Is that, you know, we can think, nobody sees me. But we forget that the most important person is watching. It doesn't matter if somebody in the church don't see you. It doesn't matter if the boss doesn't see you. It doesn't matter who sees you. Here is who is important. God. And he misses nothing. And that's the one we need to be afraid of and, be af and have the fear of. The fear of God. The reverential awe of who he is. And so... Why did God have such a drastic step? To teach them and to remind them again that I am what? First. Do you see how important first is to God? How can we begin 2018 and don't put him first? If we want any semblance of a great year, we here today have to make a decision and we have to come and reconcile with it that God has got to be first. Now, how's God's going to be first in our lives? There are several. I want to give you three ways this morning that God can be first. Number one, through prayer. He can have the first thoughts of our day. The first words that we utter. The first time, the first seconds of our day we give to him. The first minutes of our day we give to him. We spend time with God. We don't, we got to be careful. No matter what is this happening, we must make time to be with God. Because what is important, nothing else is more important than God. My career is not important more than God. My marriage is not important more than God. My children is not important more than God. Nothing is more important than God. So how do I treat him and let him know that he's first? I give him the first part of the day. I start, I start with him. As I crawl out of the bed, thank you, Lord, for a new day. I want him to know that my thoughts are centered on him first. It is through praying and as we pray to God, we can talk to him and talk to him about what we're going through. This is a way of connecting with God and allowing him to be the center for our life. During prayer, you'll be able to discuss your concerns with God. You'll be able to find peace on a daily basis versus waiting until some other time 
you'll find prayer will be a time where you'll be able to see things bigger and the picture better. You know what David said in Psalm 119? He says, seven times a day, I praise you, O God. Seven times a day, he stopped. Seven times, he pauses and he says, I've got to praise God. I've got to focus on God. And then there's Daniel. When his, when his, when his companions trumped up some charges and they, created, they asked the king to create a specific decree to catch Daniel in the act. And they said, we want you, king, to set a decree that nobody should worship for the next 30 days, worship nothing else but you. The Bible says when Daniel knew the decree, he went up, back to, up into his room, opened the windows, looked towards the east, he knelt down and began to pray three times a day as he normally did. He never stopped. So what did they do because of that? They threw him in the lion's den. Can I tell you, they made the lions hungry, very hungry, before they put him in the den. And they threw Daniel down in the lion's den, never expecting to see him again, but scraps. He went down into the lion's den, and the Bible says the angels of God shut the mouths of those lions. And I just picture Daniel taking one of them as a fluffy, nice pillow. In the night. In the morning, they pulled out Daniel and they called. The king couldn't believe it. He came out and they said, King said, Get those, those rasc rascals that sent Daniel down. Put them in the den. And the Bible says that you can read it for yourself. Before they hit the bottom of the den, they were gobbled up by those hungry lions. See, when you walk in obedience with God, when you do what he says, does it mean you won't have problems? Does it mean you won't have challenges? Of course you're going to have because that's how he's going to build your character. But then the psalmist reminds us, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them what? Oh yes. Out of them all. And so yes, he will deliver us out of So it's not going to be that everything is going to go just like this. There are going to be bumps in the road and different things. But it is because, but guess what? While we have those bumps and scratches and scrapes and things, we know one thing, all things work together for good. Hallelujah. To them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Can you give him praise this morning for what he's doing? He's an awesome God. And then there is Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, the Bible says, Now in the morning, having risen, a long while before daylight, he went out to pray. He found a solitary place and he prayed. He, he wanted to give the first part of his day to God the Father. He made sure his first thoughts, his first words were to him before he said to anybody else. You know, and then we can, all, we can show God that he's first, not only by through prayer, but through planning. When we plan our lives. One of the ways that we can plan our lives is to plan our lives in such a way so that the Lord's day is the Lord's day, that we, are, we make ourselves and we plan the time to be in church on the Lord's day. And we don't let anything distract us. We don't let anything keep us away. 
Because the Bible says in Hebrews 10, it says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some do as the day approaches. Let us encourage one another, he says. And so God is saying to us, we don't need, we, we should be neglecting the house of God. We should be coming together. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. And when we come together, we're building up one another. We're encouraging one another. When somebody's missing, that's why we try to find out what happened to them. When somebody's missing, you need to find out what happened to you last week. We didn't see you. You know, in the New Testament church, they had church every day. Did you know that? They were in houses. They didn't have buildings like we do. They had houses, but that's where they met every day. They broke bread. They broke fellowship. They prayed. They called on God. And they experienced the miracles that we long to see. But they were fully devoted to God. He was clearly first in their lives. You know, there are stories I could tell you about children in Indonesia, eight-year-olds who put God first. I'll tell you the story. It's a true story of this group of eight-year-olds who before, when they leave school, the first place they go, even before they do their homework, they head to church to spend some time praying and praising God, worshiping God. That's their custom. These little children. They go down to the house of God after school and begin to worship God and have their prayer meeting. And one day, when they had gone back to church, before they could sing their song, in the atmosphere, they heard one of their songs being sung. Angels had come back to sing one of their songs to them. And each of them could hear their own voices, their own voice, singing. It's a true story. Pastor from Indonesia tells us, it's a true story. Miraculous. These eight-year-olds are the ones who walk in the service, and they will, they will put a hand on somebody, and they will start prophesying over you and tell you what you did this past week. They will start telling you, you need to give up this. You need to do this. God is saying, and they're talking about things in your life that nobody else knows about, but you can confirm is true. Why is God working with them in that way? Because they made the sacrifice to do what? To put him first. I, 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 I can't stop to tell you stories after stories of what happens to people who put God first. And so this morning, I wanted to bring you this message on this very first Sunday of 2018 so that you can understand that if you want 2018 to go anywhere near what you were thinking and wishing it would go, he has to be what? First. So, the second, so we make God first by prayer. We make God first by planning and the Bible tells us in Proverbs 22, Proverbs 16, it says, we can make our plans, but the final outcome is God's. Did you know that? We make a lot of plans, but the final outcome is God's. He determines what happens. That's why the Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, that he might direct your path. And thirdly, we can show God that we, he's first, not only by through our prayers and giving him the first part of our day, not only by 
planning our lives in such a way that he is actually first, but also by planting. When you give your first fruits offering, you are planting a seed for the remainder of the year. Everything we have is a gift from God. You have an option to keep it or to sow it for an even greater harvest. My friend, I want you to make your goal today to have a deep, intimate relationship with God in 2018. Let him in in every area of your life. Don't look to other people. Look to God. When you decide to serve God with your whole heart and make him first in your life, your soul will prosper. Your joy and peace will increase. Remember to lean on him more than anything or anyone else. And when you mess up, don't be discouraged. Don't let it hold you back. Confess it. Keep going. God will give you the grace to do what you need to do. And one day at a time, you and God together can do anything. When you and I put him first. Stand together with me. I'm going to ask them in the over upstairs to put on the overhead. Higher ground, number 257. It says, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining. New heights. What's the new heights today? The new heights today is that you and I are making the decision that we are going to put God first. Above everything else, he'll be first. Number 278, higher ground. New heights I'm gaining. I want to say to you, that as we're singing the song, I believe all of us today should just come around the altar and say, God, I'm making a commitment. I'm making a commitment to put you first in 2018. As we sing, let's gather around and say to him, that's the new heights I'm gaining today, God, is to put you first. Will you put it on the overhead? They've got it up there, number 278. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining in every day. Still pressing as I onward mount, Lord, plant my feet on higher Lord, lift me up and let me stand.
recognizing that the blessings flow from you being first in our lives. When we seek you first, your rule over our lives and your righteousness, you have promised and you always keep your promises that everything else that we need will be added unto us. Oh God, help us today to be like that woman at Zarephath that withered, that made that decision in spite of what we have, in spite of what we think we don't have. But Lord, she was willing to give up whatever it is. If God says, give it to me first, she was willing to do so. And what rewards did she benefit? What rewards she reaped after that? Because she walked in obedience. Lord, I pray that every single person here and those watching us by the World Wide Web, Lord, would walk in obedience today. Within this very first Sunday, as they dedicate themselves to you and say, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. And that higher ground, God, is where we put you first. So today, receive us, God. Receive us as we gather around you up. Receive us in this place today for all of us that are here. Receive us. We recognize that the answer for 2018 is to put you first. By your grace and by your strength, we will make it. We will put you first. Will you say this after me, dear Lord Jesus? As we stand before you today, commit ourselves with your grace with your help to always put you first in everything that we do in every area of our lives give us that heart that willingness that discipline to put you first in everything always and to receive the blessings and the provisions and the protection that you have for those who will do so. We ask you to help us to do it for you in 2018. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But I wonder this morning if that relationship of putting him first begins with establishing him as the Lord of your life first. You see, that's where the, to be able to put him first, you got to first connect with him. And if you've never done so, you don't want to leave here today without saying, Lord, I want to acknowledge you as first in my life, as my Lord and Savior. If there's someone that you are saying, Pastor, I want to do that. I, I got a space right here for you. If there are others, just come. Just slip over. Wherever you're standing, just make your way right here. If there's somebody like that today, I want to give you a chance before you leave. I don't want you to. And if you, if you, you've been drifting and you know, and you say, Lord, I want to recommit myself to that today. I want to pray a special prayer for you as well. I want to make this space available for you to come for me to lay hands on you. Wherever you are, just slip out from where you are and come, and I want to pray for you. This is important. This is critical. This is crucial. 
It's not about who's watching you. It's about God and you. That's important. Who here is here? Anybody else that will come before we pray? Precious Father, Holy God, we present them to you, Lord. We're saying, God, times, God, when we didn't really put you first. Maybe there were times, God, when our actions didn't prove that you were first. But we're making the decision today that you will be first. We're renewing our commitment to live for you as our Lord and Savior. We thank you, God, for your the benediction tonight. We do have services first Sunday night. We have a service at 7 p.m. and first and third Sunday nights to begin the year tonight. 7 p.m. and first Sunday. Raise your hand so I can pronounce the benediction on you as you leave this place. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of His countenance upon you give you his peace as together we say surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever Amen. it's good to see Sister Green she goes out ill with her leg but welcome her back let's give her a hand good to have you back with us God bless you praise God and Sister Tutu is back from 